welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise Peck, and I'm really excited to bring this interview to you today with Carly Davies. It's a really important story of persistence and perseverance when it comes to breastfeeding, of getting the right support, and of knowing what you want when it comes to being a parent, and really also, you know, um, thinking long term. So doing what takes a little more effort in the short term for that long-term outcome, that delayed gratification that we are, we so often hear um, is important when it comes to being successful at anything. So enjoy this conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Love with Elise Peck podcast. I'm your host, Elise Peck. I'm a best-selling author, certified mindset coach, psychology student, former lawyer, wife, and mother to two primary school-aged girls. Today, I'm very happy to be speaking with Carly, and Carly is a mother to a five-year-old daughter um, who she had just just before she turned 40, and um, the father of a daughter and her partner is her teenage high school sweetheart that she reconnected with um, in her 30s. So I'm excited to speak with Carly. Welcome, Carly. Hi. Hello. Thank you for being here. Hello. (laughs) And we've got, um, is it Rowan? Did I get it right? Rowan, yep. Rowan. We've got Rowan on board too, for anyone listening (laughs) along. (laughs) Thank you so much both for being here. So I would love to ask you, Carly, um, if you could give your pre-motherhood self any advice about motherhood, what would that advice be? Um, ask for help and support and build your village. Yep. And drink lots of water. Great. Okay. I love yeah. this. Very practical and it's very important. Um, yeah. You do. Mothers need so much help. I think they're hugely undersupported, and I think one of the key uh, ways that I went wrong was um, after my second. I sort of cut myself off from the village to try and, you know, to try and uh, decrease my time commitments. But that was a bad move. And I think one of the most important things um, a mother can do is to have a village around her with shared values. So if you don't have that, I think looking and finding groups and parents with shared values is just so important um and water we often forget water don't we we forget (laughs) i'll remember three coffees but i'll have a hard time remembering um to stay hydrated but it does make such a big difference doesn't it yeah just basic (laughs) i also found walking a lot another like it's similar category to what you've just shared it's simple it's practical everyone can do it and it's one of those things that just really improves your life is um going out for walks i just thought i'd pop that in remind me daughter i'm like we forget to share some of the really things (laughs) um so that's another good one all right i would love if you could briefly describe your early mothering years so your transition to becoming a mom and what that was like for you that was, uh, wow, it's like I live a whole different life. I uh, partied really hard in my 20s and 30s. Um, I never wanted children. I was in a long-term relationship. Um, and I guess the arrival of my nephews and watching them grow and whatnot really changed. So, yeah, I was about 36, 37. And I went, no, nah, I want a baby one day. My time's ticking. Um, he still didn't want a baby, so we separated. Um, and then found, well, reconnected with my partner, Shannon, and he said, okay, let's do this. Um, 
And yeah, early days, I mean, given the age that I was, so many friends and family had already had babies and stuff. And I thought, oh, I'll be right. Well, no. <laughs> that first couple of weeks, because uh, Rowan was slow to gain and whatnot, um, I was somewhat isolated because we just moved when I was 37 weeks pregnant. We moved to, not 37, sorry, 35. We moved to a whole new suburb where I knew no one. My family were regional. My partner's family were regional, um, whatnot. Um, yeah, so it was a real eye-opener for me when I first had her complete change. Like I'd already guess I'd found who I'd become at that age and whatnot and she talked so much more about myself. Um, and, yeah. I love it. You've got some teeth going. <laughs> we can see some teeth coming in. I've I've got a, um, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, I've got five or eight-year-old girls, and my five-year-old's got a wobbly tooth at the moment too. Oh, uh, she's just lost her first two. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Bit exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a milestone, isn't it? There goes some of the milk teeth, and your adult teeth are coming through. <laughs> mm-hmm such a milestone um and I love how these things are exciting we just need like these simple things to excite us don't we um so uh if you could give that you know that that person who just became a mom and it was alone and whatever any advice about how to best well I guess I've already asked that one with the pre-motherhood question I'll skip away from that when did you decide that you would be a stay-at-home mom um I just my I basically just told my partner when I was pregnant for the first couple of years, I wanted to stay at home while she was little um, and we'd figure it out. Yep. Just because that's, I'd always heard they're only little for such a short amount of time. um, And I really wanted to experience that bonding and growing with her. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. And when did you decide to become a responsive parent? Like when did you decide how you're going to respond to her and, to really take her communication seriously and, and be there? Probably a couple of weeks in, like I was had just put so much pressure on myself because she was, she wasn't failing to thrive, but she was slow to gain. And I also wasn't producing much milk, but I was adamant that I was going to breastfeed. Um, I had a lot of pressure from health people to go on formula. and But then I found a great uh, female doctor who... Uh, I was on Domperidone for a couple of months and that really, really helped um, in a big way. Um, Yeah, and the responsiveness, I guess, a few weeks after all of that um, and I started to slowly build my village in the little community where I live because, as I said, and you know one, and it was one of the other mums who I'm still really good friends with to this day. Rowan's grown up with her twins and she just said to me, read the baby, not the books. Mm, mm. so is domperidone does that um help with prolactin does that make you yes it does yeah Yeah. it's not um often prescribed but I was desperate and I said I'll speak to you every couple of days we'll work through this together because also in other countries it's actually prescribed for uh people with eating disorders to help promote uh, uh appetite and whatnot so I was also extra hungry on top of the early breastfeeding so I was getting up in the middle of the night to make an extra meal type thing and yeah but then once the milk established she's still going (laughs) oh what a victory isn't that such determination and you know do you sort of look back and give that version of you a pat on the back for kind of keeping on going and trying to push well given 
given I didn't even know what cluster feeding was um, at the start, I thought I was broken. Um, and my initial goal was six months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I am pretty proud of myself. And yeah. Um, when people try and question it and whatnot, and they're like, I'll get that kid off the boob or whatever. And I'm just like, this Western society that's uh, forced weaning, really, uh, biologically, it's natural until four to seven years old. And she's not that age yet. Why would I give her uh, milk of another species where, like, I drink oat milk because I prefer, but I've still got this um, magic, magic gold to give her. So yeah. why not? Yeah, it's the perfect thing that's made us um, And it's true, there's been a lot of disruption of the biological norm and of, you know, you know what what we always did as humans, right? There's been a lot of almost breaking of the bond of, of breaking of women's instincts of trying to talk us out of what a lot of people feel they want to do. They want to respond to the baby. They want to breastfeed their baby. They want to... I mean, there's so much more, more convenient to just do this thing that you can buy and, and you know, and I, I think it does take a lot of courage, bravery and inner strength for women to listen to themselves and to advocate to themselves and to defend themselves at a very vulnerable time against what everyone else is telling them to do. You know, how did you find the conviction and the courage to to stay true to what you wanted to do? Um, I'm a pretty stubborn, outspoken person as it is, and I got a lot of support and education. I somehow stumbled across a few different mum, American mums groups, and I ended up adminning a breastfeeding one that was partially drama. It wasn't just about breastfeeding, but like they just stir each other up and say, if you haven't wiped your child's face when they're going out today type thing. But their conviction and education and support in regards to breastfeeding is what gave me so much strength through the past few years, especially through COVID and the lockdowns here in Melbourne as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some days there I thought my boobs were going to fall off um, <laughs> just because she'd get bored and we couldn't go to the park and stuff like that and just needy, but, yeah. So, yeah, I guess just other supportive women that I've networked with. So it was it was it getting education and support. It was a it was a yeah, yeah the, the combination of getting some good information um, and being around other people who were doing similar and who were yeah you're banding together. Is that a Facebook group that anyone can join? Like, if, would anyone listening potentially want to join that? Um, they could, but I not don't want to talk about it really it's still good I'm still in the groups and whatnot I don't admin it anymore um but yeah there's women out there and there's plenty of groups I just find things like that can you yeah you don't want to recommend you don't want to recommend that um people can google and look at people can go on Facebook and search for groups yeah and that's how I find things and they come up in your suggestions and stuff and you just find like I just used to add all of the groups and if I didn't like it I just delete it yeah, I find once you weren't part of one group, you meet some people and they take you to the next group and the next group. Like, yeah, I went to a mother's, I went to mother's groups and then I eventually tried a new mother's group called Soul Mummers. Um, and they were the people that had tried to, um, to naturally birth. And so a lot of them were more into then for natural parenting. And I was there and then they're like, you look like an attachment parent, come to the attachment parenting group. And then I'm in the attachment parenting group and someone said to me, I reckon you're a lactivist. And they joined me into this 
invite only group called Lactivist, which is from the UK, which was really intense. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but it was it was nice to see so many women in fashion. Did I think, um, yeah, if you just go walk down the path of following your curiosity, finding like-minded people, uh, it really helps give you some solidarity. Especially, yeah, I forget that people have, I forget people have been parenting through COVID. Because my youngest was two or three when COVID, so it's a different phase of life. But, um, um, yeah, so... What is your sort of your underlying why for why you have been willing to put in the effort to try to figure out breastfeeding and why you wanted to respond to your like what what a lot of people would say there's easier ways take the shortcuts like why do you think you put in this effort to motherhood? Um, just well, I I was the one that chose to bring this life into the world. It's my responsibility to. Uh, model and guide her into growing into a great adult and hu another human that's going to change the world and so much things of the past like we like definitely no spanking or things like that I mean if an adult I was around didn't do something I wanted I'm not going to hit them and with adults animals it's all considered abuse why would you do it to a child um and that's not how she's going to learn I learn by I teach her by modeling and explaining things and just letting her become her own little person but also um trusting herself as well and the decision she makes through me just guiding her daily I think yeah so beautiful and have you have you had much found out much information education on you know, being a gentle, responsive parent, or did you just know there's no way I want to hit my children? There's no way I want to put them in timeouts and stuff. Did you just know that, or did you learn some stuff about that? I think I just learned along the way from talking to other people, sharing experiences, and yeah, and asking questions of others. And yeah, yeah, um, really, I just instinctively like that's nature. I think, yeah, I think, I think that it. If you develop a strong bond to your baby um, early on, uh, it's sort of like that takes you down the path of wanting to be gentle, wanting to be responsive. If you're sort of there and you're, you're holding them a lot of skin on skin, a lot of breastfeeding and a lot of trying to figure it out and work it out together and you create this bond, it's sort of that bond cements your commitment and then you sort of want to keep keep showing up for them so I think there's a lot to do with ensuring early on you get that skin on skin and you connect um pretty close after the birth and someone made a really good point that even if you feel like you didn't get that it's never too late to do your skin on skin and to do and to and to to do that bonding um even for years I would jump in the bath with both my girls and we would have baths together like it was the easiest way to bath yeah. them don't have to stand over a bucket and be worried I'm going to like drop them in the sink or drop them. I would just get in the bath, make it very shallow. And even that's a beautiful way of bonding. Um, I would love to know what has been your most rewarding part of motherhood? Oh, the simple things like hearing her laugh. The very first time I heard her say, I love you, mama. Um, watching the world through her eyes. I think really just that innocence and uh, inquisitive, yeah, watching this little human grow into a bigger person and, yeah, it's really strips life and the world back when you watch it through a little kid's eyes. 
Mm. Yeah, it really does. And it slows you down to a pace that's more sustainable for the human body. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I, that's partly what I loved was in their really early years, their curiosity and their wonder at the simple things, just the sky, the plant, how you can try to go for a walk and you can't get 10 meters because they want to look at everything and they're so amazed. And if you just slow down and take that journey with them, you kind of dip into this sensation of gratitude for just really basic things that you hadn't noticed for years or you'd taken for granted that they're seeing through fresh eyes. It's really, um, it's really quite whimsical. Um, and so what, are, what has been your biggest challenges of being a mama? Um. Age and uh, also the people that are so against, uh, a lot of people refer it to as extended breastfeeding. I prefer to call it, call it natural term weaning. Yeah. Um, just things like that. I'll correct people's speech um, in regards to something as simple as that. And also my age and like people like, oh, you had a baby at that age. And then they're like, oh, aren't you going to give her a sibling? And the same question. I'm like, I'm too old for that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are the biggest hurdles, really. And, yeah, my body just personally, like my brain says I couldn't have done it any earlier, but my body tells me I should have done it when I was 20. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a hard one to put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so do you feel that way that your parenting is quite different from what you received growing up? Very much, very much so. Although... The one thing I can say that I had so much of as a child, I was always loved, always felt I was loved, always told I was loved. And I do that with my daughter as well. But things like my mum went back to work when I was eight months. Um, so I went into care, things like that. I mean, back then, the late 70s, early 80s, there was no co-sleeping in Aussie households. Um, things like that, yeah. Um, and discipline, um, children should be seen and not heard, um, do this because I say so, I don't have to give a reason, just, yeah, mm. that sort of stuff. Yeah, and often we find that um, the blueprint we get becomes what naturally comes out of us and it takes a lot of effort to choose something different. Do you find that you've had to do a bit of work to catch yourself and then choose to be different? Has it been hard being a different parent or is it just been oh, Always. The amount of times that my mouth opens and I hear my mother come out is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, which just yeah. shows us the legacy that we're leaving if we <laughs> up-level that bit and in, and improve the imprint that we pass on and improve the default response. It's sort yeah. of moving life forward, isn't it? Yeah, and just things like, I mean, mum and I butt heads a bit um, and um, my mother-in-law passed away last year. I miss her dearly. She was uh, not judgmental at all I mean she raised her children the way she wanted but she was always very gentle in her approach with me and um whatnot whereas my mum just sometimes thinks she gets offended or feels guilty she's like well it worked for me with you kids and stuff like that and I'm like yeah but this is my child this is how I'd like to do it and I'm like back in your day smoking was healthy while you were pregnant as well like no better do better times change um information changes education changes yeah yeah so important and sort of what do you ever think about the type of potentially grandma that you'll want to be one day for your if your daughter has um children oh, I'm yeah. going to be the grandma like my mum is I will have all of the treats and 
let's bake cakes and I'm really into gardening, all that stuff. I want to, uh, if that's another thing that I have thought of is being the age that I am, being an older mum and whatnot, is I might not get to be a grandma. Um, but, yeah, just the stereotypical grandma things, I think. I just want to be my grandchildren's safe place and the fun grandma. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's something that I sometimes think about is um, I really wanted to create psychological safety and secure attachment for my girls and I wanted them to come out of childhood feeling a foundation of love and my hope is that, that then they'll pass it on to any children that they have but I'd also love to be around to support them as mothers because I just think that mothers don't get enough support and I think like the real, the real luck or lottery in life is being born to a mother that supports you and supports your mothering style and values so that you have kind of you're getting mothered while you're mothering and I think that's what really needs to happen is I'm hoping that I can be there and I can support them through such a vulnerable phase so that they can then be the mother that they want to be um yeah it's something that I I often think about and I think I mean do you think mothers need a lot more support oh 100 percent yep in every aspect of everything I mean it's it's natural to be a mother but it, to do it by yourself is yeah you need the support and in saying that as well my mother from day one has been my biggest cheerleader and support even though we butt heads but oh I mean I talk to mum at least once or twice on the phone every day um stuff like that and yeah um but support I'd say not just from family and your village, but from society and community. And there needs to be a bit more education around just in general about how mothers do need some support. I mean, we're super superheroes, but superheroes can't do it all either. Yeah, I think we've been given an impossible task and, and no recognition for it. It's like here, this used to be done in a village with heaps of people all collaborating. Now do it on your own. And um, no one really cares because you're not earning money. So goodbye. You know, it's sort of like, wow, this something has gone wrong here when we're not valuing the work of mothers more. We're not valuing early childhood development more. It's really where everything starts. It's really where our future begins is what's happening in those first few years for young children. So I'm really hoping to see um, more education and more support for early mom, uh, for, for early childhood and mums to be there because I think that one-on-one -on -one care from a mum is so important in those first few years. Even things as simple I've noticed, like with the um, the council-run uh, mothers' groups for first-time mums and whatnot, why is that not available for second-time mums, for third-time mums? I've been in situations where I've met mums that it is their second baby, but they've just moved from across the country. They know no one. They have no support. They would value so much from being able to access those groups. Um, I was very proactive early days as well of uh, looking up what supports and support groups and stuff were out there in my local council. So I used to go on a baby and walking group every Tuesday that I found myself and whatnot. Um, and then there was rhyme time where you sang nursery rhymes at the library. And so I make sure that I've always, and even still um, the area where I live, like we went to a great uh light projection show in a park that was free and absolutely blew my mind a couple of months ago I've found networking through those things and you meet other mums that's it mums 
you always give each other that sort of nod and smile. And if your kids are playing in the playground and you have a chat, if you click with someone, you click with someone. Yeah, I love that. So like your tip is as well to get out and about, go to the free events, get out, do the networking um, and build your village. Uh, I was once um, in one of my first office jobs. Uh, I can remember um, my boss, his wife worked, like it was a boss and wife team. And sometimes their children would come in. And I didn't know anything about parenting. It's like, you see it so differently now that you're a parent back then. Um, you know, I didn't, I couldn't quite put my head around that like the three kids were coming in but they, they every now and then they would say things about parenting and one of the things they said was all your friends will change after you become a parent <laughs> like you're going it's, it's going to change and I think um yeah you really need to make some connections and some community with people at the same stage of life and getting out looking up the Facebook groups looking up the meetups uh, it's a really really good idea is just building that community even going to the playground um you know and going to mum and bub workout things and stuff like that it's a really good idea to build that community well is have you got any other um things about motherhood that I haven't yet asked you a question on or you feel like it was important to share before we wrap up no not at all I think it's this is yeah great and also if I just feeling when Rowan was young and I was like oh but you're the health professional I discovered there was a midwife uh maternal health nurse sorry that had sort of taking it on as her own personal crusade to put weight on this child. Um, and it was the other health nurse that uh, encouraged me to put in a complaint about her because the toll that she had on my mental health, um, like she was calling me on her day off to see how many grams she'd put on and if she hadn't put on so many grams by our next appointment that she was going to be hospitalised and stuff. I'm like, but she's not losing weight. Um and so I spoke to my doctor and he went, no, there's nothing wrong here. There's the percentiles there for a reason. Like yours, your daughter's just little. My partner's quite slender, things like that. Trust your instincts as well is a huge one is that's it. Don't read the books, read your baby. My, you know, your child the best. Um, a girlfriend of mine recently experienced that when Christmas day, her daughter had brain surgery. She'd been having headaches for months and the doctors were saying it's growing pains. It's growing pains. She took her daughter to emergency and she said, I'm not leaving until you do all of these tests on my child. She had brain surgery that day. She had fluid on her brain. It was her 10th birthday as well. So that's it. You know your own child when it comes to those sort of things. If you are an attachment intuitive parent, I guess, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yourself. Trust your instinct. Yeah. yeah. Second, third, fourth opinions until someone yeah. is you. Like, yeah, keep... that's it. And yeah, I've discovered don't just take a first opinion on something. If it doesn't feel right, get it checked. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank so, you. No, motherhood is literally the, it's changed my life. Um, I'm glad I got to experience the party life for so many years, but now I'm happy to go to bed at 8 o'clock at night and do all the fun things, go to ballet classes. Uh, we skipped out on going to my brother, my nephew's under 12s footy today because it's like nine degrees in Melbourne and raining. So, But if it was my child, I'd be there like my brother is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you yeah. so much, Carly. I think your insight and your story is really important really great for people to hear about you know building community and getting second opinions trusting yourself and being resourceful and resilient and and keep searching for answers if you haven't got one that seems to really feel right to you um 
far. So, and join the different Facebook groups and the, the networking things. So thank you so yeah. much for your insights. Really um, valuable. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks so much for joining the discussion today. If you'd like to learn more about me, your host, Elise Peck, you can head to elisepeck.com. You'll find um, lots of other podcasts there, including from season one, which was all about romantic love, commit and committed relationships. Season two has been about responsive mothering. Um, You'll also find that you can book a free one-on-one mindset call with me if you're a mama. And you'll also find that I have coaching packages on there to provide one-on-one support to mamas. Also in the show notes, caption description of this podcast, you'll see that there is a Facebook group for responsive mums. So come and join that as well. All right. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you on another episode of Love with Elise Peck very soon. Bye for now.